All right, welcome to Making the Argument. Before we get started, I have a very important announcement. We have a brand new deal with GoodRanchers.com. That's right. If you go into Good Ranchers and you use promo code Nick and you sign up for one of their subscriptions, you're not only going to get $15 off, but do you remember the old deal where you got two pounds of ground beef with each order? Well, we just upped the game. That's right. You can choose top sirloin, salmon, chicken breast, or bacon now. Every single order you get on that subscription is going to come with free. Top sirloin, salmon, chicken breast, or bacon. You get to choose which one if you use promo code Nick. And again, $15 off on top of that. That's a savings of $480 in meat by signing up for one of those subscriptions. Not to mention the fact that if you are looking for a gift for someone that is impossible to shop for, you can go on to GoodRanchers.com and get one of their brand new gift boxes. Now, this is a limited time only offer. It's part of their overall Black Friday special. So go on to GoodRanchers.com to get more details. Sign up for promo code Nick and to get that deal and let's get on with the show. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Making the Argument. I'm here with Christian, Tina, and Lydia, and Nick is down in Richmond doing the people's work, working on legislation like school choice, constitutional carry, and everything of that nature. Just to let you know, he does join us halfway through this episode, so don't leave. We've got a fascinating conversation coming up just for you, our listeners, and to everyone in Volley. Thank you for joining us there. If you would like to be a part of our community chat, head down to the link in the description of this episode, and you can join us there, have these conversations, We'd love to get to know you, and I am going to hand it over to Lydia to start us off. I am so excited, you guys, for today's conversation because I have never felt more like we live in a movie. People talk about the simulation, but this uh, this, this final accumulation of events that Biden's 47-year career has been leading up to is truly one for the history books. I'm really excited to be part of it. It's fascinating to me. I think it's horrifying and corrupt, but at the same time, it's so interesting. It reads like a crime novel of some kind. So I'm stoked to talk about this stuff. Me and Tina are going to bring us all the way back to 1987. I think we're going to watch a video of Joe Biden just bald-faced lying. Um, I'm going to make sure I know what his education level was when we talk about that because it's clear that he was lying. We know he's dishonest, nothing new there, but the way it's turning up and the way the media is finally starting to cover it has this led us to some kind of interesting conclusions. So we're going to get into all that. Um, I don't know if you want to pull that video up, Hamilton, and we can take a peek at what he says. This, awesome. This is Let me make sure just I have establishing the right that this is nothing I, new for when, Joe when Biden. When I first saw this video, I didn't realize it was Biden because the camera wasn't directly on him. And then I realized who it was, and I'm like, Oh my oh, goodness! This was th this was the video that um, earlier hey, this morning. Just watch. No, 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 no! no. I, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. I was about to tell the audience. Hamilton this morning was like Christian. You've got to see this thing, and he started playing like the first two seconds. And I was like, "Who was that?" And he's like, "It's Joe Biden." And I was like, "What?" And then he was like, "I'm not going to show you the rest yep, of it until yep. we actually record today." So I I'll be reacting blind. I haven't seen it yet. Have, I I, am I the only one that yeah, hasn't Yeah, I'm seen the it? one that sent it because I just thought it was too perfect. So I think I'm the only one out of the four of us yeah. that hasn't actually seen it yet. I'm excited yeah. to listen to it. All right, here we go. A much higher IQ than you do, I suspect. <laughs> I went to law school on a full academic scholarship, the only one in my, in my class uh, to have a full academic scholarship. 
In the first year in law school, I decided I didn't want to be in law school and ended up in the bottom two-thirds of my class and then decided I wanted to stay, went back to law school, and in fact ended up in the top half of my class. I won the international moot court competition. I was the outstanding student in the political science department at the end of my year. I graduated with three degrees from undergraduate school and 165 credits, only needed 123 credits, and I'd be delighted to sit down and compare my IQ to yours if you'd like, Frank. If I could say one thing. I think Biden now concedes he did not graduate in the top half of his law school class, that he does not have three degrees from college, and that he was not named outstanding political science student in college. Newsweek says Biden actually went to school on a half scholarship, ended up near the bottom of his class, and won only one degree, not three. Joe Biden ranked 76th in a class of 85 at the University of Syracuse Law School. I mean, this guy comes off this whole thing as a flyweight. Now Biden says Newsweek is right. His memory had failed him. <laughs> his, mem his, his memory, memory had failed him. So this forgetful joke. Having one degree instead of three. You know what Joe Biden is for the Democrats? He's the George Santos of Democrats. Oh, gosh. Yes, Let's not is. talk about that. I don't that. even know who that is. <laughs> George he's Santos the guy is that the... totally lied about his background in order to get elected, and he's GOP, unfortunately. Oh, wow. Um, and, and Long Island, and yeah. now it's like his own party up in Long Island is like demanding he resign. And so it, it's a big mess for Republicans in New yeah. York. But we I, tend I to say like that, to tell the truth, and oh, Biden obviously has never had a problem. Yeah, I think he's I, a pathological liar. I, I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem calling out other Republicans, so I don't really have a problem saying he's the George. He is. He's the George. George Santos lied repeatedly on the campaign trail about every, he literally fabricated almost everything about his life mm -hmm. while he was running for Congress. Yeah. Joe Biden yeah. did literally the exact yeah. same thing here. And there's, these are not the That's only correct. clips. He, there are so many, so many videos floating around the internet. Like you can throw a rock and hit one. I mean, of him just going on and on about all these things he did. And then you come back and you're like, oh no, no, he didn't do any of that. In fact, he's even talked yeah. about, you know, oh, my son died in Iraq. When his son didn't die in Iraq, he he died stateside. And so it, what, it's right. very interesting. Maybe this guy's had cognitive issues for his entire life, but he was just a lot more confident no, about it. No, I don't then. think it's cognitive issues. I think it's yeah, he's a pathological I so. liar. I think he believes his own lies. And that's that's it. Like, Because so, he comes off like... I I cannot believe... You know, you know, the most outrageous thing out of that clip, though, wasn't all... like. 90% of what he said there was was a lie, according to, to those news clips. This but he rattled it off like it was just right there, yeah. didn't but he? But the most outrageous thing that he said was when he said to this apparently voter out there, I think I have a better IQ, uh, you know, higher IQ than you. Higher IQ. Yeah. Uh, like, wow. So that's not the only thing he lied Insulting about. Insulting your voters is not think. a great way to win an election. But you know what? He didn't win in 1988. And Lydia, I think you actually dug into the story of Joe Biden's first uh, first presidential run and why it came to an abrupt conclusion, yeah. didn't you? That is correct. So I don't think he has a mental deficit in this regard because he actually plagiarized so badly he had to drop out of the presidential race that he was attempting to run in 1988. And Hamilton has that Snopes fact check where they yep. say, yeah, that's, ex that's exactly what happened. What did he plagiarize? So he, he plagiarized a British politician, basically an entire like life story. Like he stole his life. He really is the George Santos of the Democratic Party. Wow. So just more lying. It's nonsense. Wow. And yet we chose to put him in office. He stole a speech that was written in the 80s by a guy named Neil Kinnock, who was a member of the Labor Party. 
Um, mm-hmm. And uh, Neil, fun fact, actually, Neil Kinnock was the Labour Party's leader in the 1983 UK election where Labour got completely wiped out by Margaret Thatcher. Huh. Um, in fact, there was a headline um, right before the election from, I think it was like the Sun or something like that, mocking him because it, like the polls showed that he was going to lose in a landslide. And he was running on an extreme far left platform. And the headline was titled, Why I'm Voting for Neil Kinnock by Joseph Stalin. No. Oh. <laughs> Gosh, that's crazy. Yeah. So I, I so find that, that really would be funny. The person that, he plagiarized. Yeah. I, I find that really funny that Biden plagiarized like this guy who was extreme. He was basically like the Jeremy Corbyn of the UK in the 1980s. And he also lost in a complete landslide when he, when he ran for prime minister. So all all of this, though, is to frame up that none of this is new. This is all a a well-established pattern for Joe Biden. And now now we have this document scandal. Right, Lydia? Yeah. So what we have here in 2022 was that, oh, well, it was well, it was back in 2022. Pardon me. I know I'm still getting the years mixed up because we're just now in 2023. But what we found in 2022 was that they discovered documents at the Penn Biden Center, the funding for which actually comes from China. The Guys, the threads for this go everywhere. They go to all different countries. They go back decades. They go down to Hunter Biden and into his like art dealings. It's crazy. The influence peddling is No joke. But at the Penn Biden Center, they discovered documents on November 2nd. I don't know if that date is significant to you guys, but it was right before the midterm elections. And because they kept this on the down low, yeah, this allowed them to probably win a lot more positions than they would have otherwise, which is just disgusting. So slimy to me, so incredibly corrupt and skeevy that I hate to even talk about it, but these are the facts of the matter, and it just shows how gross the political organization is, the swamp is, that we had we had this, and they did nothing about it until it would benefit the Democratic it Party. It was only two months after Trump's uh, raid at Mar-a-Lago. No. Let me, let me ask this question, though, because when I originally saw the story, my reaction was, oh, this is just party politics. This is what they're doing to help themselves out for the next election. What do you all find to be different in this situation with Biden that may not have been true in Trump's situation? Well, I was going well, to say Tina, that— Do you want to address this first? Yeah. Sure. I think that we already—one of the reasons why this is different is because Biden is already embroiled in— a lot of accusation and his son is in in being investigated for all kinds of these business dealings with other countries. And if you look into Hunter Biden's emails and everything else, he references his father all the time and getting meetings for people and giving the big guy a cut and things like that. And so he's already embroiled in this kind of thing. His son is already a loose cannon. There's already a lot going on there. Um, Trump didn't have that kind of situation. He had some, you know, I mean, you need to treat documents correctly. You've got Hillary Clinton that had a server put into right. her basement at her house or whatever. Um, and they treated that very differently than Trump's boxes being, you know, loaded up from his office, shipped to Mar-a-Lago. He's never even looked at what's inside of him. People just loaded it up and sent it. And he's been cooperating with the FBI saying, yeah, go ahead, come on down. He even goes down and talks to them while they're going through things the first time they went through things before he got raided. And so um, there's been mass cooperation with 
Trump on, on he has cooperated with sure. everything in this area. Um, whereas mm. Biden has already, I mean, it's already come out that the media and social media has been colluding with Biden and um, the DOJ and everything else to keep things about Hunter Biden tamped down um, in order to influence elections and everything else. You have a situation where documents are now found in some kind of broom closet in this place that has connections like God knows where, like Lydia was explaining. And then you have more documents are found at this home in Delaware with um, where Hunter Biden claims it as his residence. And these documents are in the garage next to the Corvette right. and Hunter <laughs> Biden even referenced them in the e Hunter Biden emails that they, they are now saying are true. These are real. Whereas they, they pretended it wasn't happening before. Right. So right. the media is finally focusing in on this because they can't ignore it anymore. And Hunter Biden even talks about having access to all these documents in one of his emails. And so that's one of the things that makes it very different is because, you know, there was a time when Joe Biden was considered the poorest senator in the Senate. Did you mm. guys know about that? Where yeah. he made less money, like came from less money than all the other senators because senators are always millionaires, right? And at some point he made like $400,000 or something like that uh, per year. And that was considered poor in the Senate. And so- When he first got elected, he was 29. He was almost our age, Hamilton. He was right. 29. Wow. He took He's office really right after he turned 30 because you legally have to be 30 to be, pre uh, to be a senator. And he was a single father- widower because his wife had just right. died a few weeks it's actually he has a sad story he has sad. a sad story because if it you was can right get down he, to where the story really is like who knows what's really true or not true anymore right. about biden and but, i feel like that's one of the reasons why to, to tina's point though like right before he took office his wife and one of his children it's actually a really sad story one of his his children uh died in a car accident like weeks before he took right. office and he well, had I, these two, he had Hunter and Bo who were really young at the time and he had to raise them himself. He didn't, his wife was dead and his other, his third kid was also dead. Mm -hmm. And so it was, it was a big tragedy and, 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 and it's, it's really sad, the story. And I feel really bad for the family, but it's true that, that Biden went into the Senate with the only paycheck that he had at that point was his Senate paycheck. Like, like he didn't have any of these other connections. He was he didn't still come really from young. money like a lot of these people He was do. really young. He didn't have any right. sort of like big business that he was running. He, he wasn't able to like cash out and sell anything. But you know, now he's got a lot of money and everyone around him has a lot of money and everybody's making money surrounding his like, Lydia brought up the arc of his political career and how everybody has. Right. It's the, uh, you it, know. it's the typical thing where you, you go to Washington and somehow despite, I mean, you make decent money in Washington, not amazing money, but you make decent money, but you don't make enough money to be worth millions and millions and millions by the time you leave. And yet every single time you notice this, that like people will leave Washington DC and their wealth will have increased 10,000 fold or a thousand fold from, right. from when they, they first took yeah. office. Well, a lot you of know, that there's is whole Twitter accounts that actually track this stuff. There's a Twitter account called like Nancy Pelosi portfolio yep. tracker that, that tracks yeah. like, like <laughs> here's another fun fact for you. Um, there's like a dozen plus members in both chambers, both parties, by the way, who like massively outperformed the S and P 500 in trading. Over yes. the last two years. Well, so we're yeah. talking about like a lot of these people get their money from all this. What 
seems like insider trading, right? Mm -hmm. Because they know what laws are coming down the pike before everybody else does. That's so what they can Mark make... Warner did. Did right. you know that? Yeah. Mark, Mark Warner, who's the richest, he's our senator in Virginia, one of our two senators in Virginia. He's the richest senator in the entire chamber. Mark Warner, Jeez. when he was working in D.C., he knew ahead of time that there was um, certain bills related to like telecommunications that were going to be coming out in uh, like the 80s and 90s. And he basically threw all of his investments in this industry that he knew certain legislation was going to be um, passed in a way that would that would basically multiply, you know, several times over the money that he was putting in. And um, he ended up making millions off of this early knowledge that he had about legislation that was being worked on before the rest of the public. And well, that's now how he's the most that's how most people in Congress yeah. get all wealthy and everything. But in Hunter Biden's situation. You know, you look at all of these dealings with China, these dealings with Ukraine, you know, all of this stuff right. that has Hunter Biden as the connection. And it, it, you you look at some of these emails and things like that that come through and, and you're going, oh, my gosh, they are really in on getting paid for this stuff. And now Hunter Biden is is an artist and he's putting out all this art and he's selling like one piece of art goes for five hundred thousand dollars to mm -hmm. unknown buyers and right. no one knows who these people are. Could it be that his access to confidential or classified documents in the garage next to the Corvette uh, maybe were the gift with purchase of this item to whoever may have been the collector of it? You know, it's right. outrageous. Outrageous. That's Agreed. why this is different so than Trump. Yeah. Makes sense to yep, me. Yep, that's a that's the long answer. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> and I think the Delaware thing is so interesting because um, it is it feels like a tabloid story that you typically wouldn't believe. These files. So they did a video with Joe Biden in his Corvette where he was just showing off, and we all know that this Corvette's going to be illegal in forty years if Joe Biden passes these policies for green cars. But he was showing off his super rad like '68 Corvette. It's really a neat car, and he's backing it into the garage. And I I know that these boxes probably don't contain these files, but their garage is kind of messy, and you can see a box right inside the door. And one of the things Biden said when questioned about these documents in his garage was that oh, it's not like they're sitting out on the street. It's behind a locked door in my garage. And I was like, what? Because my husband is uh, in the cybersecurity world and he happens to know that garage doors, not secure, not at all. You can actually operate a garage door with a child's toy. That's like a scanner. You can easily open a garage door and you can easily pick a lock. And if they're saying that there aren't guest logs at this home in Delaware, this means that there necessarily probably wouldn't be private security there. Secret, secret, secret service, pardon me, probably wouldn't be there either. Because from my understanding, if you have secret service, you're going to have a guest log. Could be wrong about that. That was just what I was hearing on the street. But if you don't have that level of security, someone can easily open the garage door and get whatever they're whatever they need. And that's just somebody who wants it that the Bidens don't want to give it to. We know that Joe Biden has spent 40% approximately of his presidency on vacation. And I'm willing to bet that they, they had these files at this home in Delaware because they knew that there would be no um, visitor logs. In well, the Hunter Biden is the resident, right? There. You, you, you mentioned right, how so much Hunter Biden's spending. Can you open, like open that up a little? 
Yeah, so we can look at the article about how much Hunter Biden was supposedly paying in rent because he filled out some background check forms where he wrote this down as his address. He also said he owned it, but he also said that he was paying a lot of rent to stay here. He was paying almost $50,000 a month in rent. And to me, I am starting to think that everything the Bidens touch turns to money laundering because to me, that just looks like money laundering to his dad. Because who would he be renting from if not his father, who's actually, I think, the legal owner of this property in Delaware. But the whole thing is just like this crazy tangled like spider web of crazy story. So Hunter Biden's um, living there, right? And then he Right. I mean, he's being investigated right now by the FBI way late, right? Way late. They should have been investigating him a few years back or several years back. Right. But he's under active investigation and he's the one staying there with these classified documents, you guys? Yeah. This is why This is the point in the podcast where we would ask Nick like Nick you know, what's your take on all this? Where do you think this is going to go? And and then Nick would say something like, well, you know, it's probably going to go in one of two, two directions. Either this is all coming out now because the Democrats are looking for a replacement for Biden, oh. or this is all coming out now because they want to get this over and done with before the 2024 elections come no around. October surprise. Right. right? Because I, I mean, think about yeah. it from this point of view, we're still almost, you know, just under two years out from election day, November, 2024. So having this come out in January, 2023 is, I mean, how many people are going to, it's going to be old news in, in many people's minds. Yeah. And you know what? There's so many like scandals and controversies. And we, we live in like the, this post scandal age where, for a lot of people, this they, it just kind of glosses over them, and and they're like, oh well, you know, I just kind of expect that all politicians do shady stuff like this. That's not going to change how I'm going to end up voting. That's the like black pilled, you know, take take on this that it's not really going to move the needle at all. And so why not just you know rip right. the bandaid off, get it over and done with, and then. You know what? You go into November 2024 and you tell the American people, well, you don't really have a choice. You either have to vote for me or vote for the evil, greedy, bigoted, hateful, insert Republican nominee here. Right. And and I feel like that if you're Joe Biden, you in some ways would rather have this just come out now, certainly than have this come out in October next year. But I know that, Tina, you had some thoughts about this in terms of like why this is coming out now. And in particular, if you notice, there's certain outlets that are talking about this that you would be really surprised about, actually. So I, I wanted to, yeah, to CNN give Tina is, the opportunity to, to talk about this. Well, Liddy had mentioned that yeah. CNN, she had a link in here uh, showing that CNN had is basically tearing into Biden finally, finally. Um, right. And then you have yeah. NPR talking about it and everything else. And, you know, the Lydia, you had mentioned that you thought... Uh, did you have something you wanted to say about that first before I mention what I think? Yeah, so I think Christian's theory is actually really compelling because this is the maximum amount of time. So they waited until just after the midterms, which makes perfect sense to me. Clear the midterms, make sure you get all your people in office, and then introduce it, drop it as early as possible so that people forget about it by next year at this time. Um, that's actually really an interesting idea. Um, I'm not sure that's the direction I they're going. I think they're trying to keep their options open going into 2024. 
for, but I don't believe that anyone in the mainstream media is being honest about what they're doing. And I actually don't think they're being forced to talk about this because with the Twitter files, what we saw was that they weren't compelled to talk about anything. Like they just did not cover it or they said it was a nothing burger and they just ignored it until it died in ordinary people's minds. And only people who are super clued in and are paying attention to it and very interested and concerned about the future of the country are noticing what's going on now, which is horrifying, but it's a thing that happens. And because we also have the 24 hour news cycle, it's a very quick cycle that people forget about this kind of thing. We're just on to the next link. For instance, does anyone even remember um, the Republican debate about the Speaker of the House? That was like a week and a half ago. Like right. things move crazy yeah. fast. That's and super old really news. Just, that to their it's like how many people exactly. remember Epstein? <laughs> right, right, exactly. Unfortunately. Exactly. Well, yeah, so that's my take on it, Tina. So I'm going to go a little, I should have brought my tinfoil hat, you guys, because one time <laughs> I actually thought we were going to cover something one episode and I made a tinfoil hat. I was going to pull it out. I was going to show it to everybody and I was going to be like, all right, I've got a theory about this. Uh, but I didn't bring it this time. I, I think I threw it away. But anyway, so give us the theory. Here's my tinfoil hat theory. <laughs> my ready. theory is okay. Uh, my theory is that the Democrats have no way forward, path to victory for the presidency in 2024. Mm-hmm. Joe Biden is going to lose. He's He's been an absolute embarrassment to the party. He's. I mean, he's forgetful. He says ridiculous things. He has a whole litany of past, you know, flubs and, you know, accidental lies and accidentally telling the truth. Like what we saw at the beginning (laughs) of this podcast. Right, exactly. And so because his history is loaded with all of that, but now he's extra forgetful and he's speaking gibberish and he's, he's just like, he doesn't even know where he's at. And it's becoming almost a common joke about him being completely senile. Um, And on top of that, you've got his son being investigated. You got everything else. And things are like, I think the Twitter files are really kind of helping to spur this on. And the media doesn't want the scrutiny that they got before uh, for tamping down the laptop stuff and all of that. And so I think, um, I think you're right that they're not being forced to talk about it, but I think the reason they are willingly talking about it now is because they see the writing on the wall. They need a different candidate for 2024. Joe Biden wants to, he, he has said he's going to run and normally you don't put a candidate up against your own candidate to try to get a new one um, for a midterm or, or, you know, the, the second, you know, presidential term. And so I think, I think they are trying to basically force Biden out and make him, he's going to have to go in disgrace because Mm -hmm. at this point, no, no chance he wins. But if they put the right Democrat up there and they breathe new life. They got some new blood. Um, somebody who's charismatic and good looking or something and checks off all the correct boxes. Now they've actually got a viable chance, right? And so um, I'm thinking Gavin Newsom and I, his I would aunt, Pol- you know, that Gavin Newsom is the nephew to I Nancy Pelosi. Yes. I, I feel like either. Yeah. I feel Did you like know that he was married to Kimberly Guilfoyle. 
No, I don't even I know who know that, that is. She, she's Crazy. she's on the five uh, on on Fox News, or at Donald, least she used to be she, many years ago. I think she was dating Donald Trump Jr. Yeah, oh, they yeah, used to be married. Well, the point is, I think that they want to prepare a new candidate and and away with the old because, you know, the Democrats haven't gotten dirty with Biden um, like Republic. So the Democrats used to paint every single Republican as Trump. And yeah. that's how they steamrolled all these races, right? Well, we were not successful in doing the same thing with Biden because there's not the level of buy-in with Biden yeah. and people separated themselves from him on purpose. And, you know, right. so I think that they actually have a nice path to victory if they get rid of Biden. And that's why they're doing this. That's my theory. Let's watch you, and see. You if would it's hope true. there would be enough Californians that have moved away into Texas or Florida or somewhere huh. of that nature that would not vote for Newsom if he ran for president. But we also thought nobody would vote for Biden. Right. Look at Biden's history. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's Newsom insane. would lose Texas and Florida. No, no doubt of in my course. mind that he would lose those two states. But you can. We've seen this. Joe Biden also lost Texas and Florida, and he still became president. Yeah. You, you can. The Democrats do not need Texas and Florida to win the White House. It'd be great for them to win Florida. I, it's very, very rare for them to lose the White House without, you know, while carrying Florida. I mean, the last time that happened was generations ago. But um, I, I have a slightly different take on this for why it's happening, and it starts with the media itself. So as Lydia pointed out, like it's. It's really fascinating. I mean, her tweet right here um, with, you know, these screenshots from CNN that is just tearing into Joe Biden. Yeah. Well, there's a reason that this is happening outside of just pure politics. CNN, as a lot of conservatives who listen to this podcast probably know, is failing. And it has been for quite some time. CNN uh, last year reported for the first time in, in, in years that they had under a billion dollars worth of revenue from 2022. Um, CNN's audience shrank by, I think, like over 30% in one year. It is wild and, that a news channel can bring in that much revenue. Well, yeah. they, they, for the longest time, were a big, they're not really anymore, but they used to be a big, big news channel back in their heyday. And, and remember, like, when CNN Plus came out and then that got canceled a yeah. month later? And so, like, like, CNN is in trouble. CNN is owned by... It's, it's not an independent company. CNN is a subsidiary of Warner Brothers Discovery, which is a new company that was spin, uh, spun off from AT&T, merged with Discovery last year. Um, and, and they own the intellectual property rights to a lot of things that you might not, you know, not, not, not think of that all fall under the same umbrella. But Warner Brothers Discovery is massively in debt. When that new company was formed, they had over $50 billion in debt. They had more debt than equity for the company, and they owned CNN, which was this failing news organization that was bleeding viewers, bleeding money. It was becoming a drag on the company. And so Warner Brothers Discovery was like, okay, guys, uh, we need to cut expenses everywhere we possibly can, and we need to get this back on track because we're never going to be, be able to pay off this debt otherwise. So they took a chainsaw to CNN's um, – uh, um, C CNN's payrolls. That's why they've started firing all these people like Brian Stelzer and stuff like that, because these blowhards who just are raking in millions of dollars, but they're not breaking in millions of views. And so CNN was like, we don't have the money to pay for these people. We're going to get rid of them. And and it's coming from, from the, the executives of the parent company who have looked at, at CNN and said, this is not news. This is just woke left-wing indoctrination. We are basically being the free propaganda wing of the Democrat Party, and we're not even getting paid to do it. Yeah. 
So how about right. we actually report news instead of propaganda, and maybe we'll be able to bring back some of those audience members that left us. It's a bold strategy, and it's one that hasn't fully been implemented. It's only in the beginning stages of implementation, but I would not be surprised if by November 2024, this type of news stories that you see from CNN are going to be radically different than the ones that you saw in the 2020 election cycle, because this is the first time that a lot of people have seen CNN criticize a Democrat in ages but I guarantee you it's not going to be the last time. That's on the media side. Mm. On the political side, we actually did a podcast on this after the election. Um, it was one of our first shows that I think Lydia was on. It was about the what we called the silent red wave. When you look at the oh, swing yeah. from 2020 to 2022, there was a red wave, but it didn't manifest itself in seat pickups because of redistricting right. and because of, of the geographic inefficiencies of the red wave, it didn't look like Republicans had a good night. And they didn't. They barely won the House. They lost a seat in the Senate. They lost a whole lot of state legislatures, especially in the Midwest. It, it looked like a pretty mediocre night if you, weren't in, uh, if you weren't in New York or Florida. But when you look at right. the totality of the swing everywhere around the country, there was a red wave. There was a backlash against Joe Biden. It just was not geographically – let's put it like this. If you pick up 20 points in New York City, are you going to get any congressional seats? Are you going to flip AOC seat? No, you're going to go from losing AOC seat 90 to 10 to losing it 70, 30, but you still lose it. Right. So that doesn't show up on the map as a pickup. That doesn't add, that doesn't pad your numbers in the house, but you would be lying if you told people, oh, well, there was no red wave. Well, there, we got a record number of votes in districts like that. We just didn't flip them. And so we picked up votes. We just didn't pick up votes in places that mattered in terms of flipping seats. But when you mm. – Republicans won the popular vote in the House. People leave that right. completely off the table. So in 2024, Democrats are still in trouble because it's a nationwide election. It, it doesn't matter. Yes, we're still going to struggle in the House because the way that the lines are being drawn. But in 2024, it's a completely different picture. And if, if 2024 looks anything like 2022 – it actually is not going to be great for Democrats because the geographic inefficiencies of the House election, yes, we're still going to struggle in the House. But in the Electoral College, guess what? Us doing 20 points better in inner city Philadelphia, hmm. well, suddenly Pennsylvania's back in play again, right? Because, yeah, yeah we're not going to flip the congressional seat in Philadelphia, but that doesn't matter. We could flip the state in the Electoral College if we do 10 or 20 points better in the city of Philadelphia because a vote in Philadelphia matters as much as the vote in rural Pennsylvania for the statewide election. So I think that people that actually seriously dig into the data see that 2022 looked like a mirage in the sense that 2018 looked like a mirage, right? Democrats crushed it in 2018. In the House, they certainly did. And in the Senate, there was a similar story where Republicans actually picked up seats in the Senate while losing the House. It was exactly like 2022 in reverse. And guess what? There were a lot of people that said Trump is doomed in 2020, right? After 2018, it was th this whole entire mantra was Trump is doomed. And then COVID came along and even more people thought Trump was doomed. And then the polls started showing that Trump was going to be losing all these states by like 15 points. I remember people saying that you know, Trump was going to lose Florida and Texas and all these states, and, and the guy barely lost the White House. Well, a lot. In all fairness, when in 2016, 
all the polls were showing that he was going to lose then too. And so none of us were believing any of the polls anymore. So, so you, you get my point yeah. that, that 2024 is a lot more competitive than I think people think that it's shaping up to be. I know a lot of people on the left right now that are just basically, you know, patting themselves on the back, especially on Twitter. There, there's this whole group of people, the election Twitter people, and they're just the most obnoxious group of people on the internet, right? Because they're like me, but they're on the left. So they're, <laughs> <laughs> but, but like, you know, they're like map nerds, data nerds, all that sort of stuff. But, but they're, they're, they've just bought, you know, they're, they're drinking their own Kool-Aid. They're, they're, they're utterly convinced the Democrats are going to win in 2024. And I think things like this could end up derailing that, which is why I think it's coming out now. Yeah. To give them time to, to give them separate time themselves to deal with the it. problem. That way they can. Yeah. Well, because Adam Schiff and like a few others, um, have come out and really oh Schiff come is down hard. Adam Schiff is in huge trouble right now. The, the the one of the things that came out from the Twitter files was that Schiff was like messaging the leadership team at Twitter and and you know the engineers and stuff like that that were running the algorithms and he was giving them like lists of names of people that he was demanding to be banned from the platform. He was telling them he was giving them lists of reporters that he wanted banned from Twitter because they were reporting that Schiff's office, their um, informants in the first Trump uh, uh, Trump impeachment trial were not these neutral, bipartisan, third-party observers that, that were, you know, just speaking the facts. They were partisan Democrats that had connections to, like, the Obama White House and Clinton campaign and stuff like that. And so Schiff was using these, like, left-wing you know, actors basically to push this narrative. There was a complete lie. The, the Russian collusion thing was a complete lie. Um, there are a lot of people that still believe it. Too. I know there, there's a lot of Democrats that, that will tell you that, that if you ask them, did vote tallies change because of Russia in 2016, they would say yes. And then they call us election deniers. But the point is, is that shift is in huge trouble because he, he literally violated the first amendment by going to Twitter and saying, ban these, these reporters, because they are saying stuff that's embarrassing my office. And that only recently came out. And guess what? None of those news sites carried that story. No. Why did they carry the stuff about Joe Biden, but they didn't carry the stuff about Adam Schiff? Because they're not done with Schiff and they're done with Biden, right? Real quick, yeah. real quick. Uh, Mr. Nick Freitas, welcome to your own show, sir. <laughs> no, I, sorry, sorry, I'm late. If uh, you, uh, you wouldn't have envied me, it was important work. But it was a lot of sitting around for well over an hour listening to discussions on tax policy. So um, that sounds you know, way yeah. more important so you, than this wanna, podcast. If you want to pick that up and actually watch the live stream <laughs> or actually watch the recording of the live stream now, you can you can always do that if you have a little bit of trouble sleeping. Well, um, I, let me say, as a Virginia taxpayer, Nick, I am so glad that you were in those committee meetings rather than on your show. Um, at, because <laughs> tax season is coming up soon and anything you can do to lower that tax burden, man, I'm all well, for it. Yeah, I got to say that there's actually, actually we, we are we are doing some pretty, some fairly significant stuff. Probably the most significant uh, tax uh, cuts we, we've done in, in a while in Virginia, certainly since I've been in the General Assembly. And so that's that's certainly encouraging. Uh, and we've even got some bipartisan support on some of it. So that, that's wow. nice. But no, I, I think, uh, you know, just, just listening to you guys talk about this, I, I really, you know, appreciated the analysis. I mean, I, I think, uh, I, I don't, I mean, I'm not just saying this because, you know, she's my wife, but I, I don't think it's tinfoil hat at all to say, I, I don't know that there's individual actors that, that can take the most credit or it's like on behalf of Newsom or behalf of, I, I think it's more just in general, the idea right. that they recognize that 
Um, Biden's, and, and again, I'm not saying this to be mean. I'm not trying to like own the libs, or I'm just saying his mental capacities are so diminished and they're not going to get better. They're only going to get worse. And I think everyone understands this and everyone is looking at the prospect of a, um, a you know 2024 election cycle where Biden can't hide in his basement because of COVID, where, where he's got to get out there and talk and he's got to interact with people and he's going to get asked questions and, and he's going to do weird things that his handlers are not going to be able to manage. Um, and there's no way he gets past it. There's no way the Democrats win that. And, and I think Democrats are also less convinced that, that Trump is going to be the nominee. Um, and so I, I think I think if you're the Democrats, you're pre, you're you're preparing for a potential DeSantis run. So now you've got a successful governor. You're really hoping that the Republican primary is so bitter that it kind of hurts everybody. Um, but in, in the meantime, you you have to find uh, you have to find a way to pretty much demonstrate that Joe Biden has to go because immediately following the midterms, people like Pelosi and everyone else were talking about like, oh gosh, he's done such a great job, and this is one of the most successful midterms Democrats have had in you know decades. Um, you know, of course, Joe's going to run again. And okay, was this showing solidarity? Were they serious, or were they just trying to create a, a false pretense so that when this data, when this information did come out? It wasn't them throwing Joe overboard. It was, gosh, them just being forced to make this really tough decision that even though they appreciate everything good old Joe has done, it's time for him to just step aside so that, you know, he can give his party a fighting chance. And, and I think that's that's probably the most likely um, because I, I don't think I don't think it shocks anybody that Joe Biden left classified documents around everywhere. I do think it's interesting that like the, the treatment that Trump got with this. And, and look, let's just say something right off the bat. It's not that Trump did a good job with handling classified documents with the stuff that went down to Mar-Largo. Like, we, we can be intellectually honest and consistent and say, okay, this probably wasn't the big deal Democrats were making it out to be, um, especially given the, the situation that was happening with, like, Hillary Clinton, where that setting up a completely separate server is a very, very different proposition than having classified documents that happen to be in the boxes that got cleared out of the White House. Those are two very, very different things. One is far more of a, a, a threat with respect to hacking and everything else. But they, they were so soft on that, and it was no big deal. It was a big nothing burger. And then these documents with Trump was a justification for an FBI raid, and nobody's above the law, and da 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 and then we find this stuff with Biden and, and look, by any sort of like honest analysis of what's going on, you've got to be looking at this going, good gosh, this is embarrassing. Um, right. So they, they've got, they've, you know, again, they, they got to get rid of him. Who, who they actually pick um, to be the guy. I think this is going to be interesting. We always, we always kind of talk about how, gosh, you know, Democrats are so much more unified than Republicans. I don't actually think that's true. I think they're, I think they're more disciplined when it comes to things like floor votes. Um, I think they're more disciplined when it when it comes to, um, you know, maybe getting behind their their candidate once that candidate has been selected. Sure, I, I will acknowledge that. But I really think you are seeing divisions within the Democratic Party right now, where if you're a Bernie bro or you're part of the, you know, the, the you know, you follow the squad. I think that's where a lot of their intellectual energy is right now. Have you seen what Nina Turner's been door saying? It may not be where their donors are at, but it is where their door knockers are at. And I think they're going to come back and say, you know what, we wanted we wanted something more progressive. And you you strapped us with Hillary Clinton and then you strapped us with Joe Biden. You, you don't get to strap us again. We, we are going to play a much more significant role in choosing who that candidate's going to be. And so I, what I find interesting is that I would not I would not at all be surprised to find out that it was the establishment Democrats were the ones that, that leaked this information and let it go out so they could get Joe Biden out of the way. But I actually think it might be the far more war progressives that end up getting the candidate that they want. Nick, to, to your point, 
we've talked about Nina Turner a lot on this podcast. Y- you all have seen what she's been saying about Biden, his administration. She really doesn't like Pete Buttigieg. Uh, I, I find that really fascinating that there is increasingly this like segment of the left wing, very left wing of the Democrat Party that is publicly starting to like call out certain people within what we would call the establishment wing of the Democrat Party. So I think that provides some evidence to back up the claim that you just made, you know, in ter- in terms of, you know, Democrats not being necessarily as unified as as they're presenting themselves to be to the general public. Well, let's also let's also so let's kind of do some introspection on this too on the Republican side. Right? It was there was Bush and then it was okay, we're we're going to run John McCain. Right. And then it was like, no, 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 you're, you're going to get Mitt Romney. And then by that time, it was like for you, you had a coup basically on the Republican side said, no, the, the base showed up in power in mass. It didn't matter how much money Jeb Bush had. Um, you know, the, in fact, the only candidates that actually even came close to giving Trump a run for his money was initially Rand Paul and then Ted Cruz. Right. Like all of the all of the typical, you know, you know, mainstream establishment republic, Jeb Bush, John Kasich. Those guys didn't even have a shot. They, they were like less than a blip on the radar, even though in, in many respects, especially with Bush, th- they had all the typical things that you would expect to propel you at least into the top two or three for a significant part of the race. They didn't have it. They were gone. And so I, I think you're I think you're actually far more likely to see something on on the left as well, because when I look at Okay, who's who's the establishment Democrat, right? Because Newsom is is far left wing progressive, AOC far left wing progressive, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders far left wing progressive. Who is their stand up, you know, quote unquote establishment person? And and honestly, the only one I can think of right now that would probably be in a good position to like take that out would be someone like Michelle Obama. Um, now again, I think it's crazy that anybody would say the Obamas are not progressive. Clearly, they are. But I, I'm saying that compared to a Bernie Sanders or a Gavin Newsom, you know, o- Obama actually looks moderate compared to them. Yeah. So Obama's I, I think, been criticizing the see, wokists lately. <laughs> yeah, I, which is I, I crazy. Think you're gonna see this really, I think you're going to see this really interesting dynamic where the, the, the far left has been looking for a coup on the Democratic Party for a while now. Again, they, they had Hillary Clinton forced down their throats. They had uh, Joe Biden forced down their throats. I don't think they accept it this time. I, I think they will be willing to burn it down. And I think you will see establishment Democrats, once they get Joe Biden out of the way, essentially saying, OK, what is who, who's the most sane of the, you know, the liberal progressives that we can get? Yeah, yeah I also suspected that Michelle Obama might be one of their big options. Meghan McCain wrote a piece for the Daily Mail where she was talking about how we need to get ready for Governor Newsom to be their potential pick in 2024. And I think she's got a good point, but we would be wise to also keep in mind um, maybe a power couple of Michelle Obama and Kamala Harris. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, oh my God. they would just think they, I know they would just think they were so progressive for putting <laughs> two different ladies for one thing in office. I think they would think that Wait, was great. What is a woman, though? I mean, that's a good, <laughs> great question. Yeah. I feel like they will have had their answer by the time they're trying to install Michelle if it does come to it. But I also suspect Newsom. And I think you don't have to look any further than California to see how that would end up for the country. Yeah. Well, and, and I and I, I think it goes it, it all goes back to, you know, what you guys have been talking about. And that is, you know, all th- these documents, this story didn't 
materialize, you know, a few days ago. Like the 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 information on the story has has existed for a while now. In fact, my, I, I from what I understand, they had the information and kind of sat on it until after the midterm. Right. right. We covered that earlier in the yeah. In so the show. so this is so we're we're honestly talking about something where you know again it begs the questions like okay if you had already had this information so clearly you did what we all expect the press to do which is sit on negative stories until after the midterms in order to give the Democrats an advantage. Now if you wanted to protect Joe Biden you still would have been quiet. And we know they possess the capability of being quiet because they were quiet before the midterms. No, they're, they're releasing it now and they're letting it come out now for a reason. And, and, and again, to Tina's point, to Christian's point, I, I think it's because they recognize that, you know, Joe Biden has to, you know, exit stage left. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I think it's going to be really interesting. Again, I, my prediction right now for what it's worth is I, I say the left wing, like, super woke progressive wing of the party, they are going to get, um, they're going to get the better of that nominating process. I'm not saying they're going to get, you know, AOC to be their nominee. I don't think that's going to happen, but I do think they're going to get someone that is firmly in their camp, not somebody like a Hillary Clinton or Joe Biden that, you know, gives overtures, Mm -hmm. but so. So can I ask a question real quick, just going down that vein just a little bit, are, If this does happen, if that is what the Democrats are trying to do and they do get a new uh, candidate for themselves and let's say they got somebody that's, you know, new, bright, shiny object, whoever that might be, are we in trouble then? Because right now I'm very confident we could beat Biden, but could we beat a Gavin Newsom? Could we beat a, a Michelle Obama or whoever else they might put forward? Can we legitimately beat them? Because I'm looking at this going, you know, enough of these Democrats are separating themselves from Biden that they may get off scot-free. And there's a lot of it's, stuff in the news cycle, too, that, you know, Lydia mentioned that, you know, is is not being talked about now um, well, as want- a result. I mean, I want I'd, I'd like Lydia's and Christian's analysis on who they're candidate. I, I will say the, the two the two people on the Democrat side that I'm concerned about. One would be Michelle Obama. I, I would I'm sorry, but any Republican that is not concerned about Michelle Obama as a candidate is not paying attention. Um, the other one that I would potentially be concerned about on some level would actually be the current governor of Colorado. Um, yes, because on, on some levels, on some levels, he's on some levels, he's actually fairly reasonable. Um, and I think he would, he would, he would be, and again, for, for Democrats that are always infatuated with this idea of firsts, right. He would, he would potentially be the the first LGBTQ president. That's Um, correct. But I think, so those are the two that I look at where I could see them coming forward and and actually making a a fairly strong case to a cross section. What's interesting is that I'm not sure Michelle's, um, honestly, I'm not sure if Michelle's woke enough for them, but they would probably I think they would get on board. And then uh, the, the same might be true of the governor of Colorado. This, this is where the yeah. discipline comes in though on, on their side. So but everyone else that they, everyone else that has been put out there, whether it's, you know, Buttigieg or Gavin Newsom or Elizabeth Warren or Bernie, I fear none of them, right? Like I, I like, please, if those guys are the, if Gavin Newsom is going to be your candidate, let me know where I can send money in the Democrat primary to make sure he's the guy, because I would love uh, I, I would love a like a 
you know, any Republican no. versus Newsom. You're never sending money showdown. to a Democrat, no <laughs> oh, matter oh, what. As Sunday long as I good. have breath in my Nick lungs. Nick Freitas wrote a check a to joke. Gavin Newsom. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's a, it's Nick, a, it's a I joke, get it. People. Lydia, do but you, you want to go first? Nick, Nick asked for our, our takes. I want to hear what you have to say first, Lydia. Yeah, so Nick, I'm really glad that you brought up Jared Polis. I think he's really underrated. People don't think about him a lot. I remember I was in Colorado when he was elected and everyone when he won was like, did you know he was gay? Because he did not use it when he was running. And I was honestly kind of impressed with him for that. And he strikes me as a very moderate Democrat. He made a point of keeping Colorado mostly open during the lockdowns. And even though Colorado is functionally a blue state at this point in time, I've been sufficiently impressed with him. He strikes me as something of a Rokana like Democrat who is one of the last voices of reason in the Democrat party, kind of like Tulsi Gabbard was. Um, so I'd say, I'm not sure how charismatic he is. He might be a good vice president if the Democrats do decide to run someone crazy like Newsom. Um, but I think we should start wrapping up here. And what I wanted to say is that I'm hoping this crazy story of corruption and gross, slimy swamp monsters is really not blackpilling people because I want to give people focus on the future point out what I think the media is doing, which is, as Christian said in his analysis, something along the lines of jump this in really early so that people can forget about it before the 2024 elections. And I would add on there, I think they're really trying to avoid a Kamala Harris type threat. They really don't want anything to do with her right now because she's so unpopular. I feel like she's... I, I think that's true. That's yeah. definitely true. Yeah. <laughs> and that to me, it looks like this sleight of hand is to kind of try to avoid her in some sense. And I, I feel bad for her on some level, but that's a whole different topic. I feel like she was put in way above her pay grade and no one is like telling her how to make this happen. Right. But out at, at of all, all the people I might have felt bad for in politics. That has never once been Kamala Harris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. She's been pretty shifty with how she's gotten her positions, to be fair. But she very just strikes shifty. me as someone who feels very uncomfortable with where she is now, like a turtle on a fence post, as they say. But I want to just like kind of try to white pill people a little bit and say that we kind of can see what they're going for, which very much takes away the element of surprise that they might have had in the past. And I know that the media is fully in the pocket of the Democrats. We know this, okay? It's not even worth complaining about at this point. It's just something that we have to deal with. We we work in reality, not in what we wish the way things were. Um, so... I think that looking into the future, we just need to keep our sights on making our own values very visible and making sure that people see that we're the most honest. I don't think that George Santos should retire because he is from a D plus eight district. And he, if he were to leave, they would have to find somebody else and they definitely wouldn't get a Republican in his spot. But I do like that Republicans are kind of holding his feet to the fire over all of his various dishonesties. Um, Nick, earlier in this episode, we were comparing Joe Biden and his various lies to George Santos, ridiculously hyperbolic life story and everything that he's done. Oh, I think that that's guy's a, yeah. such a, <laughs> such really a loser piece of work. 
work. Yeah. But I, I, there's something to like being an open face liar when you know that all politicians are liars. It's like, well, I'm just doing what you guys are doing. I'm just not afraid to say it. I don't like it, but at least we know that's how he operates now and can treat well, him well, accordingly. Well, well, gosh, thanks, Lydia. I know. <laughs> no. We're saying <laughs> all politics. Nick's not a politician. <laughs> He's a statesman. <laughs> oh, I, I love when – you know what I love the most? Um, I, I love when people run for office and they say, I'm not a politician. You're running nope. for office. That makes you a politician. <laughs> yeah. The second yeah. you file the paperwork – and and you file that first finance report and you start collecting money, you're a politician at that point. And like like yeah, I, I love true. when people run for office and their selling point to people is I'm not a politician. You know, the greatest president this country has seen in the last 100 years was a career politician. <laughs> Calvin, Calvin Coolidge. Coolidge was a career yeah. politician and the only man in the last century who left office with a smaller federal government than what he inherited. When he left office, the federal budget was physically smaller than when he walked into the White House as president. The only man in the last century to do that, and he was a career politician. So that, that is one thing that, that I, I know, I know that, that that's a bit out of left field, but like that's the one thing that, that today I hope the audience walks away from is don't just vote for somebody because they say, I'm not a politician. And don't just vote right. against somebody because they've been in office for 20 years. Because a lot of people who are in office for 20 years are terrible. 90% of them, 95% of them are terrible. But Calvin Coolidge is a good example of, of how career politicians are not always terrible. But um, right. anyway, to, to wrap it up, you know, for, for my take, uh, if Lydia's going to give you the white pill, I'm going to give you the black pill. Um, yeah, okay. I, <laughs> you guys I should think... say what white pill and black pill is. <laughs> I think it's pretty oh, yeah. self-evident what it what what it is, but but like, Christian's here to depress you, basically. I, I, yes. I, I give the more pessimistic take usually, and a lot of our audience members won't believe me when I say that because they thought that, you know I predicted a red wave and I was wrong. I overshot Republican chances in 2022. You and just that's said a there was I, a red wave. Well, we I, I meant in terms of like it. seat pickups, okay. but like you know that that is everybody here who knows me especially Nick, because Nick and I have been debating this for literally over a decade about elections and stuff like that and predictions. Everybody here who knows my predictions knows that I usually am extremely pessimistic for Republicans. This last year was the one exception. And, and I think in 2024, I said earlier in this show, right before Nick came on, that I think Democrats are in trouble. And I do think they're in trouble. But I think they're in trouble because Joe Biden is so unpopular and because there's mm. so little that you can defend about him. You remove him from the picture and suddenly it becomes a bit different. And also it really depends on who we nominate as well. I, I do think that we can beat Gavin Newsom. I don't think it's guaranteed at all that we could beat Gavin Newsom. I actually think that if Jared Polis was the nominee, I don't think he would be because I think he's actually too moderate for the Democrats. I think if Jared Polis mm, was yeah. the nominee that we would lose, to be completely honest, because J Jared Polis is he's too libertarian. He's libertarian left. But like the guy yeah. cut taxes and, and and look, there's so much about him that I don't like. He's he's not as, as pro gun as me. He's certainly not as pro life as me. He's to the left on economics massively. But but he sounds he reasonable. And that's moderate. what makes him dangerous. It's not just right? that he sounds reasonable. He does have a bit of a moderate streak to him. He has cut taxes a little bit in Colorado. He has done, I, th I think, a little bit of licensure reform in Colorado. He's shipping illegal immigrants to New York City, a Democrat governor. In Colorado. So like right. there's things that he can point to. And again, he's way to the left on like unions and, and large parts of, of the economy. And, and, and like, like I would never vote for all right, him. So who's, life, your, but, so who's your guy? All right. So, all right. So, so, so I, I, I think that Kamala Harris, we could easily beat 
like like I know the Democrats, if they were going to get rid of Joe Biden, they've got to find an alternative to her. I think we would yeah. crush Pete Buttigieg. I, I I think half of all Democrats wouldn't even depending vote Depending on who our nominee is. Uh, uh, again, depending on who our right. nominee is. But I, I would be much more concerned about Jared Polis. I'm mildly concerned about Gavin Newsom, to be completely honest. And mm. um, I'm, I'm somewhat worried about, um, you know, s- some of these, you know, smaller figure Democrats that, that ran in 2020, but kind of got overshadowed. Like, um, um, what's her name in Minnesota? You know, she, she's such <laughs> well, a, you can't remember I'm going to, Amy, Amy Klobuchar, <laughs> Amy Klobuchar. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, you want to talk she, about getting overshadowed, never, right? Like, like she's she never getting the, she's never getting that. Well, money. had Joe Biden not been the guy, she probably would have been the one that the establishment wing of the party would have would have coalesced around. Um, but people forget that because she ended up dropping out right before South Carolina and all of her supporters went to Joe Biden. It was all part of the whole the fixes in to keep Bernie Sanders from getting the nomination. Right. Um, I, you know what I'm more concerned about, though? I'm more concerned about who we nominate, not who they nominate, because right. I have no control over who they nominate because I'm not a Democrat. Right. I don't vote in the Democrat primaries. I will not, unlike Nick, be giving money to any Democrat <laughs> running for president. He oh was kidding. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'll end with this. I'm more concerned with who we nominate, and we need to nominate somebody that is not an establishment squish that will actually fight but doesn't carry the baggage of Donald Trump. And look, I say it like, mm-hmm. like it is. I, I criticize, you know, uh, um, uh, you know, Republicans in the past, we were just taking shots, you know, at what's his name in New York state. Why am I forgetting names so easily? What's the guy's name in New York? Santos. Santos. Why am I forgetting names all of a sudden? I feel like I'm having a Biden moment, but anyway, point is, (laughs) is that it's contagious. I'll end with this. DeSantis has my vote in the 2024 primaries. And at some point, maybe it's worth for us to, to do an episode. Maybe when we actually have a bunch of people formally announcing so far, we only have one. Maybe it's at some point it's worth us doing an episode where we actually go through the candidates and we look at the strengths and weaknesses and we all talk about who we personally want to win. And maybe that won't be until the end of the year or early next year. But at the moment, he's my first pick. I mean, he he took a swing state and he ended up turning it into a red state in four years. And he did it by talking about the most controversial stuff that you could talk about, which is culture wars and wokeness. And he took the fight to the strongest groups you could think of. He took on BlackRock and Disney, and he won. I, 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 can't, I can't tell you a Republican. Most Republicans would be like, we can't pick on them. We can't fight them. That, that's too dangerous. He said, I don't care. And he went so, after him, and he won. So, so he's got so my look, vote. Look, I, I, I totally don't. I, I don't. I don't disagree with your analysis of that. But are we still in the part where we're closing up? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah we'll get there eventually. That's Nick. it. Nick. All right, Nick, <laughs> close this out. <laughs> All right, Nick's got well, it. Well, look, look. I want to apologize for everyone for for coming a little bit late. But hey, I was I was doing the people's work and and trying to prevent the government from confiscating more of your hard-earned money. Listen, please let us know what you think. Contact us on Volley and to our Volley audience. I want you all to know I'm going to be on there a little bit more right now. I apologize again. The schedule's been nuts, but. Please continue to leave comments, continue to talk and volley. Uh, Let us know what other episodes you'd like to see in the future. And once again, thank you for joining us and we will see you next time. 
Once again, thank you very much for listening. If you want to support the show, again, one of the best ways you can do it is by heading over to goodranchers.com with promo code Nick. You're going to get $15 off. You sign up for one of those subscriptions and you're going to get up to $480 of free meat with that subscription. You get to pick top sirloin, salmon, chicken breast, bacon. It is all up to you. Plus, if you're looking for gifts to get for the people that are impossible to shop for, goodranchers.com also has gift boxes. You need to act quick. This is part of their overall Black Friday special. So head on over to goodranchers.com, use promo code Nick, and once again, thank you for listening.